What's up, Church on the Trail family? We are so excited that you are here with us this morning. If this is your first time, welcome. We are so honored that you've decided to join us this morning. The 412 Student Ministry will not be meeting tonight because of Father's Day. So you guys go out and enjoy your time with your families. VBS is right around the corner here at Church on the Trail. This event will take place on July 10th through the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is available for children of the ages 4 to 11. Your child has to be 4 upon the time of registration. Visit our church website to register for this event and remember to fill out one form per child. We are so excited about this event. July 13th through the 21st is the Columbus Mission Trip. Come join us right here in our own city as we partner with multiple organizations and serve our community. There are lots of opportunities for all different ages during this week. You can visit our church website under our events page to register for this event. If you have any questions about this week or want to know more information, visit our missions corner right here in the lobby. If you need any information about any of our events coming up, come check out our connections desk or check out the worship guide. VBS is right around the corner here at Church on the Trail. This event will take place between July 10th, 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is open to children of the ages of 4 to 11, and they must be 4 by the time of registration. You can visit our church website to register your child. And don't forget, it's one registration page. What's the wording? Four. Registration form per child. Don't forget. We're so excited to go on this epic adventure with your kids. Before we get started, this well, first of all, I want to welcome y'all here. And if this is your first time here, a welcome. And the folks watching online, I want to welcome them here too as well. If this is your first time here, I want you to, to make sure that you go to the Connections desk, get one of these little welcome kits, and it's going to tell you all kind of stuff about our church family. From a missions perspective, all kind of different things that we do, and it will have our statement of faith and so forth. So I want to put one of these in your hand. Number two... In the seat back in front of you is a connection card. I want you to grab that thing if it's your first time and just let, or if you've never filled one out. Fill it out. Let us know that you were here. We're not going to tackle you in the parking lot or show up on your front porch. But just, we just want to know that you're here and we're going to get back to this too in a little while. Just a couple little housekeeping things we need to do. I also want to mention to you that, uh, the compassion experience that we have talked about for about the last month or six weeks, it is, uh, it starts on, on, uh, well, set up is Thursday. And then it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I want to thank y'all because we've had about 50 people volunteer to serve. I think it's 51 people, yeah. So uh, there's still room to serve uh, if you want to serve on either the setup team or the teardown team, which is the setup is Thursday, the teardown is Monday evening, I think it's 7 o'clock or something like that. Outside of that, Go on to CompassionExperience.com and register to go to walk through the experience. It's like 15 minutes long probably. And you got these. There's more of these at the connections desk. And then you got these in your, should have been in your seats this morning. Invite people to come. This is for Columbus. This is for our whole area. This is not just a, a, a church on the trail thing. Um, we, we need people to walk through that experience and, uh, and, and hopefully sponsor a child, uh, particularly in Rwanda. So, um, before I get started with in our message this morning, I want to ask uh, 
Stephen Fortenberry and Melody Jackson to come up here for just a second so I can embarrass them. Um, in the life of our church, we had a pretty big event this week because show them what's on your hand. So, uh, so uh, that, I ain't done with you. Amazingly enough, she said yes. I felt the same way. Amazingly enough, she said yes 31 years ago. So, but we all as a church family want to rally behind y'all. We want to support y'all in any way that we can. And I am thrilled to do ministry with you. So, congratulations. So, today, today is Father's Day and we're going to be in the book of Joshua. Um, Joshua is the sixth book in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. And I want to give you a little context before we kind of jump in. And the context is this. Joshua, you know, Moses led Israel um, out of slavery about 3,500 or so years ago. Moses led them. Uh, God did not allow Moses to go into the promised land, but Moses led them. Joshua, uh, the Lord anointed Joshua as the next leader of Israel, and so the book of Joshua is, a, is kind of about that. And we are going to be in Joshua chapter 24, uh, and this is about 40 years or so, the book of Joshua, about 40 years or so after Israel comes out of slavery in Egypt. And so we're going to be in Joshua 24. And in Joshua 24, um, Joshua is rallying the all of the leaders of Israel together, and he's doing that in a place called Shechem. And he's, can you all say Shechem? Shechem. So he's doing that to uh, to reaffirm God's covenant that he made with Moses uh, with, the, with the nation of Israel. And so Joshua gets all these leaders and he's, he's doing that to reaffirm that covenant. And he, he begins this by looking at all the things over the years, all the things that the Lord has done for the nation of, of Israel, all the times that He'd saved them, all the times that He'd gotten them out of messes they found themselves in, all the times that they found themselves in a pickle and the Lord God, He delivered them out of that. Uh, all the times that He had whipped some enemy uh, that was before Israel. And there was 10 or 15 times in this little history that Joshua is running through with these leaders, there's 10 or 15 times where the Lord kind of uses the word I. And He says, you know, I led Abraham. I'm the one that led Moses and Aaron. He says, I'm the one that busted up the Egyptians. I'm the one that split the sea. He says, all these, I'm the one that gave you the land. It's not by your sword, it's by my hand is what the Lord... And he does it 10 or 15 times in this little history that Joshua gives these folks. And so God's amazing goodness is really the backdrop to what Joshua is saying to all of these leaders. And he charges them in chapter 24 and verse 14, he charges them with this. He says to these leaders, he says, Fear the Lord and throw away all of those other false gods and serve the Lord. And it's in, in, in the Scriptures, when you see the word Lord in capital letters, it's really, that's, the Hebrew behind that is, is God's personal name. And so when you read that, it's not just a generic sort of term. It is, the, it is our personal God. And so he says, throw away all other false gods and serve the Lord. And then in verse 15, he says, in 24:15, he says, but... If serving Him just doesn't make sense to you, if that's just not really, if you're not feeling it, and serving Him doesn't make sense to you, 
if, if it seems undesirable, the NIV translation uses the word undesirable. If it doesn't seem desirable to you, then choose right now yourselves what side you're going to be on. Choose right now who you're going to serve. And then Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so today, look, today's Father's Day. And we're going to honor all the dads. And we're going to honor the fathers. And we're going to pray that God will, will, will bless the fathers uh, beyond measure. Maybe Father's Day is tough for you. Maybe you lost your dad and Father's Day is just tough. Maybe you lost your dad this last year and this is the first Father's Day since then. Or maybe you lost your dad 10 years ago and it's just hard. Or maybe your dad is not really the kind or was not really the kind of dad that was a blessing to you and Father's Day just jumps all up, all up on top of your nerves. I don't know. People coming in here with all kind of different histories and different backgrounds. But today, I am talking to dads. And I'm talking to young men. And I'm talking to single moms and married moms with sons. And I'm talking to, to moms with daughters who at some point are going to find a young man. I'm talking to uncles and nephews and grandpas. And, and today we're going to talk not just about fatherhood. We're, we're going to really, we're going to talk about manhood, about authentic, godly manhood and being a godly leader for your family. However your family looks, being a godly leader for your family. And so if you are here today and you are a single mom of a son, I want to, I want today, I want to paint an image of what a godly man looks like so that you know and you can see what the Scripture says that your son ought to look like 5, 10, 15 years from now. And so when Moses died and the Lord placed Joshua as Israel's leader, God promised Joshua the spiritual resources to allow him to lead. And he gave him three things, and you've got this in your worship guide. If you don't have a worship guide, raise your hand and we'll get you one. But he promised him three things that the Lord promised Joshua. And so he gave him his authority. He gave him his authority. Number one, he gave him his word to meditate and to pray on. And then he gave him his presence. The Lord gave Joshua his presence to, to protect him and to, to guide him. At the very beginning of the book, in chapter 1 and verse 7, God told Joshua, he says, be strong and be courageous. And look, courage, y'all, courage is not the absence of fear. It's not. Courage is having the fear but doing it anyway. So to say that, that all men should not have fear is absurd. But we do it anyway. We're scared. And it may not be physical harm that we're scared of, but sometimes we're scared to have a conversation. We may be scared to have a conversation with our kid, or we may be scared to have a conversation with our girlfriend, or if we're married with our wife, but courage says I'm going to do that anyway because that's what men do. And so don't misunderstand me. Being a great leader also is not about being perfect. It's about having courage. And that courage is the courage for multiple things. It may be the courage to trust God. It's the courage to do the right thing. It's the courage to stand alone when it's necessary. You know, sometimes you've got to stand alone. Particularly if you're standing against the world, you may have to stand alone. And so that takes courage. 
It may be the courage to just move ahead. Because y'all, you can't plow a field looking backwards. So lots of times it's the courage to get up in the morning and just put one foot in front of the other and do what you've got to do. It may be the courage not to crumble under pressure. It may be the courage uh, to get back up when you're knocked off that horse. Because you and I, are me- uh, we're not measured by the number of times we fail. We're measured by the number of times we fail and then get back up and do it again. That's what we're measured by. And so, so look, number one then in light of that, number one for men is that our marriage, your marriage, is your responsibility. Because it all starts in our home. We talked about Acts 1-8 last week and the week before. And, and in Acts 1-8, it says that we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and, and, and then out from there. And for us, to begin with, our Jerusalem is in our home. And so it starts in our home. So your marriage, men, is your responsibility. You are the leader of your home. The buck stops with you. In my home, the buck stops with me. The success of my marriage, or the lack of success of my marriage, it's on me. It is on me. And you may think your wife is responsible. Maybe she is to some degree. But the buck stops with you because you're more responsible. You're more responsible. You gotta take ownership, and I've gotta take ownership of that. I gotta own any failure because it's happening, anything that goes on is happening on my watch. And we all know, weak men, that their first thing is to blame somebody else. It's always to blame somebody else. What did Adam say in the Garden of God? He said, it was this woman that you gave me that gave me the fruit. That's in Genesis 3.12. And y'all, it is a rare thing. Y'all hear this now. It is a rare thing that a woman would want out of a marriage if her husband is leading her well and loving her unconditionally. It's a rare thing. If he is leading well and loving unconditionally. There are too many times when a marriage may get sideways a little bit that, that men turn off and they disengage and they disconnect. And, and the man waits and he's telling his buddies, she just got to get her act together. As soon as she gets her act together, I'll be okay. Well, you know what? No. It is up to us to man up and lead. And you lose the pride. Because all of that mindset is rooted in pride. And so you lose that, you drop the pride, and you fight for your wife. When you man up and you lead and you love your wife the way that Christ loved the church, which was sacrificially, if you love your wife unconditionally and sacrificially, she will respect you way more. And what do men crave? Men crave respect. She will respect you way more. She will feel safe. She will feel secure. And she will follow because godly male leadership is intended to bless and honor women. It's not intended to degrade them. All of us probably know men who, who are self-centered and who are egotistical and, and men who have de- demeaned and maybe ignored and maybe even abused their wives. But godly male leaders don't lord that leadership over their wives. We don't lord that leadership over our wives. A, a, a godly male leader protects and serves the people that God entrusts to him. I promise you that it is only God's grace 
that that one right there named Susan Griffin Egan would have anything to do with me. And, and he gave her to me, and I would take a bullet for her. I would take a bullet for her. In God's economy, the strong die for the weak. The strong, in God's economy, the strong fall on the sword for the weak. The Bible calls your wife your helper. And she will be a better helper as we men come alongside of our wives and help them. When we bear the heaviest burdens. Women are designed perfectly to complement our weaknesses as we are designed perfectly to complement their weaknesses. And so men and women together will glorify God within the context of what? Of mutual respect and unconditional love. And so y'all, here's what I'd say. We lead our wives by serving them well. And we serve them well by protecting them well. And we protect them well by fighting for your marriage. Man, you got to fight. Who said this easy? you got to fight for your marriage. Keep these words in your mind, not on my watch. My marriage is not going to fall apart. It's not fixing to fall apart on my watch. It's just not going to happen. So number one point today is that for men, is your marriage is your responsibility. Number two is this. Your children are your responsibility. Your children are your responsibility. Men are the, are the God-ordained leaders of the home. Which doesn't mean, y'all don't go out here and say, he said that men are superior to women. That is not at all what I'm saying. I am saying that God has ordained the man to lead. The world, the flesh, and the devil tries to put a wedge into that and say that, no, 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 you need to be passive. Well, no, you don't need to be passive. You need to man up, and I need to man up. Anything that this Scripture says, the world is going to say the opposite. And so we are the God-ordained leaders of our home. And the primary responsibility for training up your kids, it's on you. It's not on, it's not on your wife, it's not on the school, and it's not on the church. And it doesn't mean that the church bears no role because the church does bear a role. It doesn't mean that your wife doesn't bear a role because she does bear a role. But you've got a greater responsibility than any of those. Just like your marriage, you have a greater responsibility. And so the Bible commissions fathers. The Bible commissions fathers and it calls men into responsibility for the spiritual maturity of our kids. Moses instructs his leaders in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7 to teach the Word to their children. When does he say to do that? In verse 7 he says, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And then in Ephesians 6, 4, Paul exhorts fathers not to exasperate your children, but to bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And y'all, kids in mass are dissing the church. Kids in mass graduate high school, they're dissing the church. And if your kids are stumbling, and if your kids are rebellious, and if they're, if they're falling apart, and there may be other reasons why, I get that, but the buck is stopping with Dad. And you and I, we very well may not be able to fix all these things all just at once. But here's what we can do. We can have the courage to stand up and address an issue. Because bad news doesn't get better with age. If something is going on, you've got to get in the middle of it and as, as the leader and do something about it. Because this God that we talk about, is, He's a God who promises over and over in the text of the Bible that He will never forsake you. 
He is always alongside of you. And so if you're having a, a hard conversation with your wife, or your girlfriend, or your son, or your daughter, or your dad, God, this God that will not forsake you is in the midst of that conversation. So you lead with a purpose. And you address these problems that may be going on. Now, I don't also want this to sound uh, bleak and maybe fatalistic, and I don't want you to get ridden with guilt over whatever has happened in the past, because I realize that there are some issues that are going on in our lives that may be bigger than what our love and our leadership can conquer. But if you let the world get you passive, and if you let the world get you disconnected from your family, the odds are skyrocketing, skyrocketing that there's problems on the other side. And so we've got to keep these biblical principles in the front of our mind. Ingrain these words in your, in your head. Not on my watch. Tattoo them on your forehead. Tattoo them on your arm. Tat- ingrain them in your head and almost live by that. None of this is happening on my watch because God has, has ordained me to be this leader. God told Joshua, be strong and be courageous. King David told his son Solomon as it regards the building of the temple. Uh, David told his son Solomon, he says, you will have success if you're careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. And he says, be strong and be courageous. So how do we do that as men? How can we be the spiritual leader that we're called to be? Well, first and foremost, you can't do that if you ain't walking with God yourself. You can't be a godly leader if today as we sit here, you are not walking with God. You want wisdom? Trust God. You want to be strong? Rely on God. You want to lead effectively? You've got to be following Him. And so successful leadership, godly male leadership in your family... It has got to begin with Christ's leadership of your life. You cannot be a godly leader if Christ is not the Lord of your life. And so I'm going to ask you, is He your Savior today? Did you walk in today, is He your Savior today? Is He your Lord today? I know that God loves it when men seek Him. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Matthew 7, 7 says, seek and you will find. If you are looking for him, he is not hiding from you, y'all. If you are searching and you're on a quest and you're trying, I did it, man. I did it in 2001. I said, I want to know the truth. I want to know who God is. And guess what? He didn't hide from me. I sought him out honestly and objectively and I found Him. And when you find Him, you spend time with Him. And your one-on-one time that you can spend with the Lord, it'll transform radically your role as the spiritual leader in your family. John fifteen fifteen. we went through this a week or two ago, says, I am the vine and you are the branches. It's a parable of the vine. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in Me and I in you, fruit will be born. Remain in Me. Abide in Me. Uh, Get connected with me. That's what the Lord is saying. And so if me and you can focus on our relationship with Christ, it'll be easier and more natural to want our our, our wife and our kids to do the same thing. You want to grow and you want your family to grow? Spend time in the Word with them. Every week we we put in the worship guide uh, a table talk. 
Spend 20 minutes with your family walking through the three or four things that are in the worship guide, in the, in the table talk. Pick a book of the Bible and, and walk through it with your wife and kids. And look, my nature would be to do a three-hour Bible study with my kids. That's just not going to happen. Spend 20 minutes. Sit around the dinner table. What a novel thought that we would sit around the dinner table together as a family. 20 minutes, talk about the table talk. Or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, pick a book and just walk through it. You're not on some time table. Just Get in the Word. That Word will never return void. You and I as men are the key influencers in our family. Influence our, your family for Jesus. Influence them for You wield such a powerful sword and you don't even know it. When your kids are two years old, you don't even know it, y'all. Fight for your family. And then love your kids, number three. Love your kids... Through your marriage, model Christ-like love for your children. Let your kids see you love your wife the way that Christ loved the church. When children see a husband and a wife authentically love each other, that's such a good thing. They'll sleep better at night. Y'all, their self-esteem will be better. They'll feel better about themselves. But the problem is, the flip side of that is true too. When stuff gets sideways between a husband and a wife, um, the kids are seeing that too. The kids are they're watching everything that is going on. They're watching and they're listening. And you can tell them to go to their room while y'all have a discussion. They're listening to that too. And, and here's what I would say as a man. If you've got to eat the pride, then you've got to eat the pride. It all boils down to pride. Like a thousand percent. And if I've got to eat that pride to keep my family intact, then that's what I'm going to do. I am going to sacrifice for my family. I'm going to model humility. Look, humility is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Humility is not weakness. I want my kids to see me in, in a humble role. I want my kids to see me as a humble servant in every aspect of my life. And so if I've got to fight for my... If that's part of fighting for my marriage and my family, then that's okay with me. And if you're divorced, and this is tough, look, because it's silly to act like divorce doesn't happen. The truth is, divorce rates within the church are about the same as they are outside of the church. And so if you're divorced, and this is tough, y'all, let your children know that's not the way that you intended it to be. Because it's not the way you intended it to be. Nobody gets married with divorce on the horizon. Let your kids know that that's not the way that God intended it to be. But you are where you are, and you can't pretend that you're not. And so you ask your kids for forgiveness. And you show them in the Scriptures what a godly marriage looks like. It is up to us to fight, if if we're divorced, to fight to end that cycle with the next generation. Fight to end the cycle of divorce with your kids. Look... I, I tell you the truth, Susan and I got in an argument. I don't remember when it was. Our kids were, I'm going to guess, uh, uh, as if we've only had one argument. That was stupid. Um, but this, this issue was, I don't, and I really don't remember how old our kids were, but we argued and I got loud, way louder than I should have ever gotten. Um, maybe lost my temper, I don't know. I spoke to her in a way that I shouldn't have spoken to her. And I went back down the hall after it was all over and I apologized to my two kids and I said, that is not the way grown-up Christian men talk to their wives. 
I, and I apologized to him. And I said, I'm sorry I apologized to her first. But I told them that's not the way to do it. And you know what? It ain't that easy to apologize to your kids. I'm not going to stand here and say that it is. But I was wrong, and I needed to model for them the way that Christians handle conflict. Tell your kids that you love them. I don't remember my dad telling me he loved me. This is like a Dr. Phil going on up here. I don't remember my dad telling me that he loved me until I was 43 years old. Tell your kids you love them all the time. Tell them when you, they need to hear the confirmation of a father's love. They do. And when you tell your kids that a, a, a son or a daughter, you, when you tell them that there's nothing like absolutely nothing that they can do that would ever affect your love for them. There's such power in those words. Now they can do something that makes you spitting mad, but that cannot affect your love for them. And, it, and, and if you have children, you know that feeling. It's like there's, there's this division between love and anger. I can get so mad at my kids, but it did not touch my love for them. They need to know that because they're going to equate anger, punishment, I'm in trouble, whatever. They're going to equate that with he doesn't love me. You've got to tell them verbally that it doesn't. That you love them, that your love for them is unconditional. Those words will change a kid's forever. I'm telling you, they will. I love you will change a kid's forever. And so you model your, your heavenly Father's love for you, you model that with your kids. You make sure how th- that they know how thankful you are to God that He gave them to you and that He entrusted them to you. Number four, you want to love them through your time. So I'm going to ask you, does doing your job well set a good example for your kids? Is being good at your career a good thing? Somebody answer that. Of course it is. Of course it is. But your kids have got to know that it is not more important than they are. Being daddy is way more important than your career. And I'm not, don't walk out here and say, Ed told me I need to quit my job. That's not what I'm saying. And so, of course your career is important. Of course it is. We, we, are, we are put on this planet. We were created. God told us, the garden, you're in charge of the garden, bro. You're in charge of working. I'm going to make you work. You've got to work somehow or the other, to provide for your family. So part of the provision for your family is done through work because you may want to eat every now and again. And so it does require that. But your career is not more important than being daddy. And it ain't easy. Nobody said it is easy. You've got to be intentional with the use of your time. Your kids don't need a leftover dad. They don't need leftover time. And they don't need leftover attention. And they don't need leftover energy. If that's all you give them there's going to be a problem. It's a guarantee there's going to be a problem. Look, I had, when I was in real estate, I had, uh, thank, I thanked God for 15 years that I worked for a company that, that at its core was Christian, that at its core w- was run with biblical principles. And one of the guys that's there, one of the, at the time, one of the owners, he said, I was struggling over, over work and family and time and trying to manage time and, and all this, you know, 14 hours a day and all that stuff. And here's what he said to me. He said, uh, he said, the Lord will provide enough business for you to provide for your family and He will provide enough time for you to care for your family. Don't screw up those two things. And so I've, I've thought about that all the time. And He will. 
He will. He will provide enough time for you to provide enough income. He'll provide enough resources for you to provide for your family. And He'll provide enough time for you to care for Him. You've got to put limits, though, sometimes on your time at work. And when you do that, you're modeling for your family that you'll fight for them. Look, that's true for, for, for males and females. If you're a single mom, you too got to put time limits on your time at work. You have to. Because your kids are hanging in the balance of that. Y'all, your heart is going to follow you, where you invest your time and your resources. That job of yours, I've seen it too many times. It will steal your heart away from your family if you let it, so don't let it. Your kids' security, their stability, their, their, their spiritual health, it's all wrapped up in the influence that you have on their lives. And don't let work steal that influence. And I know the struggle, man. I live that struggle. I've said these words, and maybe you've said these words. I've picked the phone up, and I call Susan from work, and I've said the words, and here's what it sounds like. Baby, I'm doing this for you. I'm working so hard for you and for Zach and for Will. But your Zach and your Will are not going to remember so much what you did for them when you were at work. They're going to remember what you did with them in the backyard throwing a ball or if you're at the park or on a slide or whatever it is. They're going to remember what you did with them. And then you've got to protect them. You're a man. You've got to protect them with everything you've got. You are the primary protector of your family, physically and emotionally and spiritually. And you've got to understand that God has called you to be the shepherd and to protect your kids in every area of their lives while you have them. And you ain't going to have them but for about 20% of their life. And so you've got to know what's going on in their life. With courage and conviction, you guard their hearts and you guard their minds and you guard their bodies from harm. You know, you need to know what's going on. You need to know who's influencing them other than you. You need to know what they're doing. You need to pray for them every day. I never said a prayer in my life till I was 37 years old. I had no idea how to pray. Susan taught me how to pray. She prayed for them every day of their lives from the day they were born. She prayed from the day they were born for the wife that they would meet at some point in their life. I didn't know nothing about no prayer until I got saved. She taught me how to do that. Pray for yourself that God would lead you to be the leader that He wants you to be. Pray that God would give you the courage to fight anything that would bring harm to your kids. Protect them from the deceiver. Stay in the Word with them. Let them see you love God. Let them see you love Him. Model for them how to stop resisting God and start resisting the devil. Let them see you lean in on God and trust Him. Let them see you... Fight temptation with God at your side. Let your wife and your sons and daughters see you rest in Christ and not the things of the world. Not drugs, not alcohol, not adulterous relationships. And yes, not work. Don't be leaning on and resting in your work. Let your family see you lean in and rest in Christ. Let them see that your strength and your courage to protect them comes from His strength and His courage to protect you. You know, just on the heels... Of, of God splitting the Red Sea when Israel's coming out of Egypt. Just on the heels of that, Moses, who led them through the desert, and they're there ultimately for 40 or so years, but just on the heels of the, of the sea getting split by God, the people looked at Moses, and Moses sang this to them, and I'm going to spare you me singing. 
If Richard was doing this, he could probably sing. But I'm going to read to you in Exodus 15 what Moses, the text says he sang to the people. He said, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. And then he said, The Lord is a warrior. He's a warrior. And so, for me, as for me in my house, that is the God that I'm going to serve. He's my shield. He's my protector. He's my rock. My strength and my courage come because of His strength and His courage. And I want to get, let me get real with you. I want to tell you a story. And I may have told this story before, but is it okay if I get real and authentic and very flawed with you? And this is what that song that we play, that Rodney Adkins song, which was recorded in 2006, when uh, that song, Watching You, when Zach, my oldest son, was born in 92, this was about 1994, he was about two years old. Am I right? Yeah, he was about two years old. And I was hanging a light. We had just moved into a new house, and I was hanging a light in the, in the breakfast room, and it, has, it had a slanted ceiling, and so the light was, Lord, I don't know, it must have been 13 or 14 feet off the ground, and it's not that easy to do that standing on three chairs, and I had a ladder. But doing all that, I cut the power off to the house, I hook, and Zach is walking around with his little little tykes tool belt and hammers, and he's following me all around, and he's the fix-it man, he used to call himself. And so I cut the power off, and I, and I did the light, and then I cut the power back on, and I went and I hit the light switch, and it didn't turn on, and I said, bad word, that started with an S. And I went back, I turned the power back off, and I went back over there, and I got to fixing the light again, and turned the power back on, and hit the light, and it did it, it didn't turn on, and I said bad word again. <clears throat> and so uh, finally I got it all fixed, and, and it worked, you know, hit the power back on, and it worked. All good, that was on a Saturday morning. On Sunday, some friends of ours came over to see our new house that we had just moved into. And they walk in the house, and Zach goes over to the light switch and goes, bad word, bad word, bad word, bad word. <laughs> Telling y'all that's a true story. They're watching, they're watching, they're watching. And so if you, if you serve, they're watching you serve. If you bad word, bad word, they're watching that. that and then I heard that song, which was, somebody do the math. Twelve years later, and I'm like, oh my God, Trace, uh, Rodney Atkins wrote that song about me and Zach. Because I'm like, it's ex- what happened to them in the, in the Jeep at the beginning, that happened. And so they're, they're, they're watching. They're watching. If you serve, and I'm telling you to serve, lead your families through service, through Christ-like service. Jesus loved and served people, and His life and His death demonstrated that. If you serve and if you are generous, the odds skyrocket that your kids will live generous, serving, sacrificial lives. If you think beyond yourself, the odds skyrocket that your kids will think beyond themselves. Show them serving is important. Love and serve God by by loving and serving other people. Serve in tots or serve in kids or serve on the parking team. Serve somewhere. Find a place to plug in and serve. Serving others are going to grow. That's going to grow you quicker than almost anything else. Let your kids see how, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let them see how that plays out in the real world. Let them know that, that, that self-centeredness and a lack of sacrifice is not going to happen on your watch. Because with God's hand and God's grace and God's 
presence and His help, me and you can be the leaders and the shepherds of our homes. You can be the godly influencer in your house. Rely on God's authority and you can win the fight. Rely on His Word and you can win the fight. Rely on His presence and you win the war. With His strength, you can fight for your wife. With His strength, me and you can fight for our children. You know what though? Here's the reality. The cold, stone cold reality is this. You cannot rely on Him if you have no relationship with Him. You can't. And you might have walked in here today for some of that bacon, some of that chocolate-covered bacon, which I didn't try. I'm not sure about chocolate and bacon. But you may have come in here because we were serving a bunch of bacon out there. I don't know. You may have come in here and, 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 and searching for the truth. I don't know where you are in that wall, but here's what I know. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be a better man, if you want to be a better husband, if you want to be a better father, if you want to be a better grandfather, if you want to be a better uncle, if you want to be a better son, if you want to be a better nephew, and you haven't said yes to Christ today, say it today. Say it today. And you may have been struggling with this for 30 years. I struggled with it for 37. Today is the day that you can say yes to that. And He will give you His authority and His presence and you can be the leader for your family. And so He is telling us, use, He's saying to you today, use my strength and use my courage to be a godly leader. And the decision is yours. I mean, I can't, I, I can't make the decision for you. Your wife can't and your mama can't. You can't have somebody else's belief and faith. But here's all it takes. Number one is to say, Lord, I'm done with my past. I'm done with it. And I'm sorry and I want to change. And number two, I do believe that you died on the cross and you paid the price for my sin that I was supposed to have to pay for, but you took care of it on that cross and then you rose three days later to seal that deal. So look, what, here's what I want us to do. I want you to bow. I want everybody in this room, I want us to bow our heads and I want us to close our eyes and I want us to, I want to give us 30 seconds to just pray. And I want you, if you are married, I want you praying for your husband. If you've got a son, I want you praying for your son. If you are single, I want you praying for, your, for a male person in your life, your dad or your boyfriend, or if you're a single mom and you've got a son, I want, you, I want all of us praying together for about 30 seconds. Keep your heads bowed if you would. Look, if you decided this morning that you're in, if you decided this morning that you said yes to that offer, that you have sought the Lord and that you have finally you have found Him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And you can scream it out as loud if you want. You, just, you can say it in your mind. You can say it however you want to do that. I want you to say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge it. And Lord, I'm sorry. I am sorry for my past, but I'm willing to turn from my sin this morning. Today is the day, Lord, that I have made You my Savior.
Today's the day, Lord, that I have made you my Lord. And I want your Holy Spirit to live inside of me for the rest of my days. I want you to be my leader. In Christ's name, amen. So look, if you just said that prayer and that, and, and that happened to you, I want you to let us know that on that connection card and stick it in that offering bucket. The next step in that is to take the God plunge. Put that on that connection card. That's biblical baptism. If you're new to Church on the Trail, we call it the God Plunge. We're going to be doing that again in July. Let us know that you would want to do that. Now, I want to ask every single man in this room to have the courage to come up here because I want to give you something. Every single guy in the room. Whether you just said that, every single guy means every single guy. Um, Come up here. We're going to do this every Father's Day. Will you hand me those? And so, yeah, it's funny how every means every. Pass those out. We just pass those around. So look, I want all of us to be better equipped to fight the fight that we got to fight because I want you all to know that whatever that Bible says, the world is going to say the total opposite. There's more coming around. These are 11 resolutions. These are 11 commitments that I want us all to make together in front of each other. I want us to to hold each other accountable. I want you all to hold me accountable. And I want want us all to just lock arms and hold each other accountable to the commitments that are on this piece of paper. And so really what I want to do, I want us to all get to where where when, when it's our time that we hear these words from the Lord, well done. And so this is a place for us to start. So if you would just repeat this after me. I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the Word of God as the spiritual leader of my home. I will be faithful to my wife to love and honor her and be willing to lay down my life for her as Jesus Christ did for me. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all their hearts, all their minds, and all their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness, respect, and compassion. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those who I have wronged. I will learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to His church, obey His word, and do His will.
I will courageously work with the strength God provides to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life and for His glory. Father God, I lift these men up to You. Lord, I pray that You would make all of us the leaders that You would have for us to be. Lord, I know that we can't do it with our own strength. It is not by the might of our sword, but it is through Your Son who died for us, who will stay and be alongside of us every day for the rest of our lives. So Lord, I lift these men up to You, that You would have them be good sons, faithful sons, faithful husbands, uh, courageous fathers. Lord, I lift all of them up to You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Hey. So I'm about ready to turn this back over to our worship team. Um, we are at a time in our service where we take up an offering. And, uh, and this is another place that we can model for our children, where we can model for our children that we're generous and that we're sacrificial, that we love sacrificially. And so this is a time where we, we give back to the Lord uh, what is His. It's all His anyway. And so let me pray for this offering.